Well, good morning. This is the Lou Rockwell Show, and how great it is to have as our guest this morning, Mr. David Stockman. David was a congressman from Michigan. I got the chance to meet him uh, when I worked for Ron Paul at the same time. They worked against draft registration and against those who wanted to revive the full-blown military slavery. And I might say among the staff, uh, uh, all the Republican staffers, David was known as a guy who knew everything. And so it wasn't really a surprise when Reagan asked him to be head of his uh, Office of Management and Budget. He wrote a later a best-selling book about it, The Triumph of Politics, a great book, by the way, The Triumph of Politics, Why the Reagan Revolution Failed. Also author of another 2013 bestseller, another great book, The Great Deformation, The Corruption of Capitalism in America. His latest book is Trumped, A Nation on the Brink of Ruin, and How to Bring It Back. So David is also the editor and the publisher of David Stockman's Contra Corner. We'll, of course, link to all these books and uh, Contra Corner and so forth. David, uh, if, if I can summarize the thesis of your book, it seems to be that Trump's diagnosis of what's wrong with America has a lot, to, a lot going for it. His solutions to those problems are, have less going for them. Yeah, uh, Lou, first of all, I'm uh, very happy to be with you again. Uh, you do terrific work. Uh, I read uh, everything that you publish every day, so it's uh, one of the sources in which I replenish my ideas and information and update on what's going on in the world, because obviously uh, what you uh, hear from the mainstream media is uh, almost always not uh, correct uh, at all. But uh, on the book, uh, yes, you know, I would say that the emphasis is on the nation, on a nation on the brink of ruin. In other words, that's what the book is about. I try to demonstrate how it's created a hugely unbalanced, um, ruined economy in which the bicoastal elites have prospered mightily as a result of uh, a lot of wars abroad, a lot of debt being generated in Washington, and the uh, bubble finance uh, system driven by the Fed and other central banks and Wall Street and Silicon Valley and so forth. But it's left flyover America high and dry. And there are so many different measures of that. Uh, Jobs have been lost, not created, Real uh, median income, if you use an honest measure of inflation, is down 17% from where it was in the turn of the century. And I think that's an important statistic because it's not, um, you know, a temporary uh, digression in the wrong direction. It's not a few points of decline. It's unprecedented. 17% shrinkage in the median uh, family income when you use what we call the flyover CPI, which actually uh, we think tracks the cost of living more accurately. So that's why the nation uh, is on the verge of revolt here. That's why Trump has come out of nowhere, much to the surprise and chagrin of the entire Washington Wall Street uh, ruling establishment, and uh, why the media now is conducting such a, you know, frantic uh, campaign to destroy him for fear that fundamental policy uh, questions might at least be challenged and reopened 
in a way that they haven't been for the last 30 years. Uh, so that's kind of uh, what the book uh, encompasses, and then we go into a lot of areas. But the one that I want to emphasize more than others is the last section of the book, part three, is entirely uh, a critique of uh, what I call Imperial Washington's interventionist foreign policy. And uh, I think that's timely at the moment because we have Hillary Clinton running as kind of a, uh, a Cold War uh, hawk when, uh, you know, in the world, it is ridiculous to believe that Russia either has any serious hostile intentions vis-a-vis -vis Europe or certainly uh, our security in America or even any capacity uh, to create real threat. They have demonized Putin primarily as a cover for uh, explaining away all of these massive, this massive trove of emails uh, that's come out in the last little while. So, uh, but I think this is kind of dangerous because the Republican Party was hijacked by the neocons, as you and I well know, uh, decades ago. But now what we find is that the Democratic Party, at least at one point, there was a peace wing. When I was a kid, starting back in the 1970s, as we talked about on Capitol Hill, uh, there was the peace wing senators. Uh, and uh, they're all gone. And what we have is Hillary the Hawk. Uh, what we have is... Uh, wars of invasion and occupation in Libya, Syria, uh, Iraq for the third time, um, Yemen, and we could go on. But the point is, this is pretty dangerous because there, neither party uh, is uh, representing um, a honest uh, position in terms of uh, the uh, threats that, that we have in the world and what we really should be doing and that is dramatically shrinking our military establishment and demobilizing from this vast, uh, far-flung, you know, uh, empire of military bases and uh, foreign uh, interventions. Well, it's you know, it seems to me that um, I've always thought that the neocons have a, like a crazy gene. Yeah. I mean, as bad as the sort of, if we can describe them this way, the Rockefeller establishment. As bad as they have been, they don't strike me as actually uh, egging on and, and uh, really salivating over the idea of a world war. She and, and her neocon advisors and the neocons in the press and so forth actually seem to, if, if you wouldn't say that they want a war, they're willing to uh, do things that will inevitably bring about a war. Uh, unless, yeah. of course, Russia just and China too were just to surrender. Um, my guess is they're not going to surrender. Uh, so this is a very scary situation. We see the the U.S.'s uh, NATO operation moving troops right up to the Russian border. And uh, this is, of course, uh, I remember seeing a wonderful meme once that showed Russia with all the zillion U.S. bases in near proximity to it. And the uh, caption was, how dare the Russians put their country in the middle of our military bases? <laughs> Yeah, you know, Lou, on that one, I have a, a similar kind of metaphor. Uh, I live in New York City now, actually, in an apartment on the 19th floor. And what I've been saying is that from my 19th floor apartment, I can see Russia. 
but unlike uh, Sarah Palin, I'm not talking about the Siberian landmass. I'm talking about the GDP of metropolitan New York, which is $1.6 trillion, which is significantly larger than the entire GDP of Russia, which means that the Russian economy is 7% the size of the U.S. economy, that their entire military budget of $40 billion we spend every two and a half weeks at the Pentagon. And yet, uh, to hear the rhetoric coming from Hillary Clinton or the neocons generally, you would think uh, that there is some gigantic uh, uh, threat, uh, you know, coming at us from every direction. This this is really absurd, and I am beca- I'm starting to become startled by how far they're taking this. I mean, they're putting battleships into the Black Sea. Look at the map. Why would we have battleships in the Black Sea? It's like putting them in Lake Michigan, you know, uh, from our perspective. Why are we conducting the largest exercises, uh, even including the Cold War, on the Baltic uh, borders uh, of Russia? Why did we intervene in a civil war that we instigated in the Ukraine uh, with the coup in Kiev in February uh, 2014, which clearly happened another of these color revolutions with massive amounts of walking around money supplied by the Endowment for Democracy and the CIA and the State Department and many other organs, and hundreds of people on the ground that, uh, you know, were allegedly working for uh, non-NGOs, as they call it, that's just a cover for uh, CIA agents and civilian uh, garb, but anyway, all of that has been happening. Uh, you, you know, you listen to some of the debates, and Hillary would get all huffy about how dare Donald Trump uh, question NATO. Well, NATO is obsolete. You know, is you know, in other words, our debate has gotten so distorted, and the establishment. Um, you know, uh, uh, narrative is uh, so uh, uh, off base that the idea that NATO should be uh, disbanded, which I believe in, or at least the, the other countries should pay more, that Trump has raised, is treated as as it as a thought that comes from crazy town. But in fact. In 1989, uh, Bush the Elder uh, promised that NATO would not be expanded by an inch if uh, 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 Gorbachev uh, acquiesced to German reunification. And the fact is, he should have declared victory. That was the Bush who should have declared victory, not the one that was on the aircraft carrier uh, after uh, shock and awe, but the elder Bush uh, when the Cold War ended. He should have declared victory, uh, began the process of dismantling NATO and dramatically shrinking our military uh, uh, capacity because we had no enemies left in the world. But instead, they kept it all alive, and that's, uh, you know, uh, like uh, uh, idleness uh, is uh, kind of uh, the temptation of the devil. And so all of these uh, institutions uh, needed budgets uh, to be funded. They needed uh, purposes and functions and justifications so we end up with uh, NATO doubling in size, 
our security being put at risk if something happens in Slovenia or Latvia or I guess now even Montenegro <laughs> they're trying to put in? What kind of, you know, uh, just uh, what kind of absolute uh, idiocy is behind all this? But you can't even get it into the debate. <laughs> if Trump even suggests that he would like to sit down and have a uh, negotiation with uh, Putin, he's he's called a puppet. He's called a stooge. Uh, you know, I, as I was saying the other day, uh, Joe McCarthy must be rolling in his grave uh, uh, to find that he's got Hillary Clinton uh, out demagoguing him uh, in terms of the Red Scare, the Russia Scare. So uh, the, the positive thing, though, is uh, I think uh, the election is probably over. Um, I think uh, Clinton's going to be elected. That's a bad thing in one way, but there's a silver lining because everything's going to fall apart in the next four years. We're going to have a stock market crash like we've never seen before. Uh, we're going to have another recession. In fact, we're on the verge of it now. The the federal debt is go deficit is going to soar back into the trillion dollar zone. The Fed is going to be totally uh, tied in knots, uh, without you know, out of dry powder and not knowing what to do. And all of that, then we can lay uh, all of that uh, 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 upset and uh, dislocation. We can lay right on the doorstep where it belongs. Uh, the establishment policy represented by Hillary Clinton. And so maybe there'll be a chance uh, for the system to get realigned for a grand realignment for some, uh, you know, new uh, party that uh, builds on the libertarian base and the anti-war base and, you know, the uh, Bernie Sanders anti-Wall Street Fed uh, base. And uh, maybe something could come out of that. Uh, it's, uh, you never should underestimate the uh, lengths to which the establishment will go to suppress uh, opposition, but maybe there is a silver lining here. And uh, Trump, even if he fails to win the Oval Office, has helped to pave the way by uh, defeating the establishment Republican candidates with their neocon uh, advisors and um, conducting a campaign that is a rip-roaring attack <clears throat> on the Wall Street, uh, Washington ruling elites. And whether he, he makes any sense, which mostly he doesn't, but at least he's attacking the right target, and maybe that's uh, a uh, helpful beginning. At least that's the uh, uh, theory that I lay out in my book. David, it seems that at least Trump has got all the right enemies. It seems like everybody evil hates his guts. So that's something to be said in his favor. I think I agree with that 100%. Uh, you could know someone uh, by their enemy, and, and they're all lined up. I mean, I find it ridiculous. I, I don't watch it that often, but every now and then I check in on CNN. It is truly the Clinton News Network. Everybody there is in the tank uh, for the war party, for the status quo, for the Washington Wall Street ruling elites. These people claim that they're journalists, and now if you listen to every one of them from Wolf Blitzer on down, they preface any discussion of these WikiLeaks uh, damning documents, which are nothing more than party gossip and maneuver, right? It's not uh, some national, uh, deep <laughs> national security <laughs> no. secret. No, but they they 
preface any discussion of them with the words stolen documents. Well, you know, this, this is ridiculous. What do journalists do except dig and investigate and find things <clears throat> that rulers don't want known to the public or that politicians uh, are trying to keep uh, hidden uh, from public view? And so that's what they've always done. If you get someone to talk on deep background, uh, you know, that's stolen material that was vocalized. If, uh, you know, they, if we follow this uh, theory, uh, obviously Watergate investigations never would have happened. Uh, uh, you know, the Washington Post never would have revealed all this. The Pentagon Papers wouldn't have been published. You can go on and on. They have made a joke out of journalism. They might as well just hire CNN out as the public relations department of the establishment, right? Um, and yet, uh, I think what, what is happening is that it is so, uh, it has gotten so extreme. It has gotten so, uh, unshackled, so to speak, that Trump is hitting home with his unrelenting attack on the establishment media. And NBC is just as bad, uh, and the other two, uh, almost so. But I think, uh, you know, we've reached the point where, um, uh, Trump is at least calling attention to the uh, thought control uh, process by which uh, the establishment continues to rule. No, I think that's exactly true. And I think that the American people have to, at least to some significant extent, awaken to what you and I have always known. The media uh, are a rigged bunch. Uh, they are, in effect, a, a state media. Uh, but I've never seen... I mean, I remember the Goldwater campaign. I thought I thought they were pretty bad against Barry Goldwater, but it was nothing like their 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 constant yeah. attacks on Trump. I think they've actually hurt themselves with people. And uh, there was quite an interesting article in Time the other day, worrying that well, of course, Trump is going to be defeated, and thank goodness for that. But there are rumors that he might want to start a third party, a populist nationalist uh, third yeah. party. Uh, that of course that would wreck the Republican Party. You can't have that. No, but that's, I think, what I was saying before. Uh, there's a chance for realignment here. There are a lot of complicated issues uh, to deal with, but on the fundamental questions of war and peace, on the question of big government and uh, massive public debt, on the question of, um, you know, bubble finance and uh, a Fed uh, a central bank that basically serves the interests of speculators in Wall Street, on those three things, on the matter of civil liberties and, uh, you know, the uh, constitutional structure of our government, there may be room in uh, on those four uh, um the domains, let's say, in those four domains to pull together um, a different uh, party than uh, we now have today, and uh, one that has uh, no use for either the Keynesian economics that run the country domestically or the imperialist uh, foreign policy assumptions, neocon uh, uh, policy views that uh, drive foreign policy. Maybe it could happen. We'll, we'll have to see. David, has any candidate besides Ron Paul uh, ever criticized the Fed? Now, obviously, as Trump has, he's not a sophisticated critic, um, but 
still, it's just wonderful to hear the Fed, which is a, a, the untouchable institution, not to be mentioned except in the most uh, hushed and, and uh, respectful tones, being criticized. And as you say, he talks about bubble finance. Is it that? Is it uh, his uh, less warlike position? Uh, what is it that you think bugs the the elites the most about Trump? Is it that he's not uh, suitable for their clubs? I mean, what 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 is it? I think more than anything else, it's the uh, foreign policy angle. Uh, because when push comes to shove, the prosperity in Imperial Washington, all these consulting firms, uh, all of these uh, you know suppliers to the uh, national security apparatus, that's where all the prosperity in Washington comes from. That's where all the lobbying jobs get generated for politicians who uh, are put out to pasture, either voluntarily or involuntarily. So uh, I would say when he started talking about negotiating uh, with Putin, when he started talking about how stupid can we be to fight both sides in Syria, and when he you know, said who empowered us to overthrow Gaddafi and uh, uh, so on, uh, or suggested that NATO was obsolete, that's what really... Um, activated uh uh what you know <laughs> the imperial city let's put it that way and all its uh, media arms and uh, um uh, uh, organizations it does seem like the only two kind of, at least the only two major powers uh in the world although they're much smaller uh, economically and militarily than the US uh Russia and China that don't bow the knee to the US uh, seems like uh, they really would like. I mean, I think for a long time I've, I've thought the U.S. Was, uh, had an ambition and maybe the wherewithal to become the world government. And I, I guess they see Russia and China as the two impediments. What's going to happen in foreign policy is is a frightening thing, and I think people all over the world uh, are who are uh, decent are worried about the prospect of Hillary in power. Just uh, very scary business. Well, I think they should and. You know, if you want a symbolic moment, a kind of uh, uh, metaphor for how dangerous Hillary the Hawk is, I think you've seen, Lou, and a lot of people have, but let me uh, mention it again, that little uh, segment uh, in um, a tape when she was uh, on 60 Minutes and was asked about uh, Libya and the demise of Gaddafi, and all of a sudden, she sets up straight and says uh, to her host, we came, we saw he died, and then broke out into giggling and laughter. Okay, Now, the biggest disaster uh, of the many we've had in recent years is turning Libya into a barbaric, outlaw, jihadist-ridden state when... Uh, you know, Gaddafi wasn't perfect, but he'd given up his uh, ambitions, his uh, nuclear weapons, and there was no reason whatsoever for us to intervene except, uh, you know, this whole R2P thing, responsibility to protect based on uh, what turns out to be uh, totally exaggerated rumors 
about what was happening in Benghazi originally. You remember Anderson Cooper was running around sure. there saying that genocide is going to happen. Actually, what was happening was the jihadists were fixing to take over the country, at least the eastern part of the country, and Gaddafi was on the case, uh, uh, you know, ready to take them out, which he should have. Uh, but I think the Libya incident or uh, is one example of why she's so dangerous. This open public feud she's now having in public with Putin uh, because, uh, you know, she's trying to distract attention from the content of all of these uh, uh, leaked emails, WikiLeaks. Um, the repeated assertion, which you heard from her in the last debate, that she wants to establish a no-fly zone in Syria, which is really uh, puzzling, since I thought the enemy was uh, the Islamic State, uh, you know, positioned narrowly along the Euphrates River in the dusty plains and broken villages around Raqqa. The thing is, they have no air force. <laughs> Okay, so why in the world would you have a no-fly zone unless you want to shoot down Russian and uh, Syrian Assad uh, planes? And uh, why would we want to do that when they have done far more to uh, contain uh, the uh, ISIS threat than anything we've been able to manage uh, stumbling around? I think it's also interesting to note that if you, you know, day after day, uh, these generals uh, who are in, you know, responsible for a lot of these disasters uh, come on the tube to endorse Hillary. Uh, you know, I heard John Allen, who was former head of, uh, chief of staff um, last night, uh, uh, you know, um, endorsing uh, Hillary Clinton um, on the grounds that uh, she would be a superb commander in chief. Well, he, you know, he's the architect of the second go around in Iraq and Syria, and we can see how well that worked out. Uh, you, you have, um, you know, you have a level of groupthink in Washington that's so oppressive that uh, it is any wonder that we don't even do worse things in the world than uh, Imperial Washington is doing today. Well, if they get rid of Russia and China, I think we can count on them doing worse things. And, and then we have the Keynes, Keynes's dream of the Bancor, the international uh, fiat currency, and uh, many other horrendous things. Well, yes, that they could have that in mind, but I think in a way uh, maybe uh, they've hung themselves out to dry to uh, the establishment. In other words, look at the Fed today. I mean, after 90 uh, months or 94 months, actually, of zero interest rates, and in a situation where the vice chairman, Fisher, who's the dean, you know, of these Keynesian economists, says, well, we're ne nearly full employment, they're still debating <laughs> whether they get the uh, interest rate uh, off the zero bound. Uh, now, the point, though, is they, they're tying themselves in knots. They're slowly discrediting themselves because, you know, they say they're data-driven. What's the data? Um, so I think there is a chance that when the economy slips into recession and people finally admit it, because, you know, this business cycle is long in the tooth. It's 86 or seven months old already. But when that happens, and the Fed then, uh, if they try anything radical like uh, negative interest rates, they will really generate 
a uh, Trumpian uh, political revolt in this country. Uh, the retirees and the savers will come out with their torches and pitchforks, and there will be a real attack, I think, on the Fed. On the other hand, if they say, uh, you know, we're not going to go the zero interest rate route, which I don't think they will, they can already see the handwriting on the wall. Trump did an important service to everybody when he put a shot across their bow in the debates and talked about one, you know, big, ugly uh, bubble that's uh, being held up by the Fed. So I think they know that they're uh, far more vulnerable politically than they've ever uh, been before. So they don't go the uh, negative interest route. If they try to confect something like another multi-trillion dollar QE program, QE3 or uh, QE4 or 5, I think it's going to backfire because they had convinced Wall Street that this was a one-time emergency, 100-year kind of uh, uh, emergency that uh, need, had to be done and then would be unwound after it was successful. If we go back into recession, it will be a thundering statement that the whole three and a half trillion worth of bond buying was ineffective, didn't save the economy after all. And if they try to double down, uh, I think it's likely to cause as much uh, panic uh, in selling uh, in the casino as uh, 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 buying. So uh, in any any way you look at it, I think uh, the Fed is in a corner uh, and uh, it's going to lose control. And once it does, they'll just sell and sell and sell and sell in waves like you won't believe in the bond market, the stock market, all of the risk asset markets. And I don't think they're alone. Um, the ECB is nearing its day of reckoning. The Germans are totally unhappy with uh, negative interest rates. It's killing the German saver. It's killing the German banks. Uh, they realize it's just a backdoor way uh, to uh, monetize the debt of you know the fiscal basket cases of Southern Europe, like Italy and Spain, Portugal, uh, France. So uh, I think the ECB is reaching its moment of reckoning. They don't. They have no clue. These you know lunatics in the Bank of Japan. <laughs> these people have no clue where they are. I mean, it's it's a it's a whole another discussion. But uh, you've never seen anything as lunatic as what they're doing there. They own practically half of the debt of Japan, and Japan is the uh, you know a retirement colony with massive debts. Uh, heading uh, for the wall. So what I'm saying is uh, the this 20-year uh, era of central bank uh, credit inflation and falsification of financial markets and bubble finance speculation, uh, I believe, is coming uh, to its uh, final days. And that's, you know, one of the major uh, stories that I try to develop uh, with data and you know, further elaboration in the book. David, thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, those who had not heard David Stockman before now realize what an eloquent and uh, important thinker he is. Read his books. By the way, The Triumph of Politics, his first book, still very relevant and a great big book, Great Deformation, Trumped. Um, David, uh, keep writing your great books. Um, it's wonderful to have you on the show. And if Trump, if, if the if lightning strikes and Trump should end up uh, being elected, I hope he has you as his chief advisor on all these things. Okay. 
Well, uh, it's great to be with you, and, uh, you know, these issues uh, are challenging and in some ways frightening, but somehow I think uh, there's some light uh, at the end of the tunnel. I think, as I said, a country that has been trumped, a people that has been trumped is a people finally coming alive to the danger and the, uh, you know, the democratic authority and power that they've lost over the last 30 years. David, from your lips to God's ear, and thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Lou Rockwell Show today. Take a look at all the podcasts. There have been hundreds of them. There's a link on the LRC front page. Thank you. Thank you.